0: Welcome to the house of God. How are you doing today? I am excited to bring the word of the Lord. And as you know, my first language is Spanish. I was born and raised in Mexico. So some words that I speak in English are very difficult for me to pronounce. What this means, you have to pay attention. Otherwise, you will not get what I'm trying to say. And also, the message this morning, it's not an easy subject because we're going to talk about Excuses. What is your excuse? And so we'll start by saying that ability is not as important as availability. This is going to be the main uh, message this morning. But as we begin this morning, I want you to I want us to read several uh, verses of the conversation that God had with Moses when he was called to become the deliverer or the leader. Uh, that would lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And every five of the Bible verses that we will read are his excuses. So reading them is just depressing. I'm going to warn you, okay? So here we go. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. The Lord says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And then on verse 13, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers hath sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Then on Exodus 4 verse 1, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me. Or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Then on verse 10 of chapter 4, But Moses said to the Lord, "Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am so slow of speech, And of tongue. And verse 13 is the worst. Let's read it together. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) We do not need to dig too deep to see the emotional state and the condition of the heart in which Moses was. After all, for 40 years had passed already from the day in which he ran away to save his life as he had killed an Egyptian He was outside one day and saw that an Egyptian was mistreating an Israelite. And he went and, in his anger. He he killed the Egyptian. A few days later, Pharaoh found out he runs away from his life. And for 40 years, he has been hiding. 40 years before, when he was strong and younger, he thought that he could deliver the people of his own kind. But things didn't turn out to be as he thought they would be. It appears that when we are young and strong, we can accomplish anything. This doesn't apply to the young people, of course. We do not pay much attention. It applies only 30 and up, okay? We don't pay much attention to see how much risk is involved. As we get older, we start taking stuff with more caution. Is that true? When you are young, you just don't see the risk. You go for it. But when you get older, you just take more caution. As we get older, for instance, we start having health problems out of nowhere. We don't understand it why. Uh, I remember when I was in my 20s and and I could be up until 2, 3 in the morning watching a movie and then go to sleep for two hours and be up at 6, ready for the day. Now 10 o'clock is my limit. I cannot stay awake. Don't call me after 10. I got my phone and do not disturb. Whatever the emergency is, I'll find out the next day. My wife is only 34, 34, right? Okay, yeah, I had to ask. Better ask, better be safe than Sorry. Last Sunday, we had the men's mission uh, uh, breakfast, and we were here at the church, and then I get a call from my daughter, Elisa, who is nine years old, and say, Dad, come to the house. Mom had an accident. And I said, what happened? Well, my wife, she was just making the bed. Listen to this. And as she pulled the sheets to fix it, something happened on her back that it got locked, and then she fell on the floor. And Elisa said, Mom, is on the floor. I said, what? She's on the floor. And then I call her, are you on the floor? Yes, I'm on the floor. <laughs> okay, let me rush home. So I run to the house. And when I get to the house, I say, it's just, it needs to happen. I'm going to put a video. And then I go inside the house. I run inside the house with an ambulance sound just to make sure. And I say, I'm here to help you. And we call the doctor. We finally put her on bed. Things didn't get better. I say, Okay. We have to go to the emergency room. And then after four or five hours, we come out of the emergency room. She comes better. We come happy with a $650 bill. (laughs) We were actually talking about this. She said, we're not even in our 40s yet. (laughs) Yes, when you are older, you take things more cautiously. And it seems like... 40 years, the last 40 years of Moses' life were just not too good either. Because of the writing of Exodus, we read that he was attending to the sheep that belonged to his father in law. Get this, he didn't even have his own flock. We don't understand what happened. Jacob, after he had been living with Laban, his father-in-law, and probably before 14 years, Genesis chapter 30, says that Jacob had an abundance of servants, male and female, and sheep, and cattle, and a whole bunch of riches. But 40 years had passed in Moses' life. He don't even have his own herd most, agreed, most scholars agreed that Moses' profession was being a shepherd, which, by the way, was one of the lowliest jobs of the ancient times. One of the reasons why I love the Word of God is because the Bible doesn't hide the good and the bad of the people. In the words of Paul the Apostle, when he was writing to the church of Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, he said, Listen, now these things happen to them. As an example, but they were written down, what happened to Moses and to other people, they were written down for our instruction of whom the end of the ages have come. Now, there's this principle that applies to everyone that is inside this room and outside of this room. And and this is the first one. We all know it, and this is this. God loves you just as you are. This is a general principle. No matter who you are, doesn't matter what is your background, your social status, whether you finish a PhD or didn't even finish college, God loves you. This is what the church proclaims to everyone we all know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. However, if you are a child of God, if you had been saved by the blood of the lamb, there is an additional principle that applies to you and to me and to those who are the family of God. And this is it. God loves you so much to leave you as you are. God loves you so much to leave you as you are. This means that God has many things planned for our lives. He has a direction. He has a purpose for you and me, a mission. This was true of Moses. He might have considered himself too old for a new task, After all, he was 80 years old. He was probably thinking in retirement. He was thinking, I don't know what he was thinking, but he was certainly not willing or ready for the task. He didn't know that his best time was still ahead of him. He had no idea. And how about you, church, this morning? Do you feel too old? To accept the calling of God? Or are you too young to accept the calling of God? Or too tired? Are you too distracted or too busy? I'm here this morning to encourage you today in the name of the Lord. Paul the Apostle said said it in Ephesians chapter 1 verse verse 14. He said, listen to this. For he chose us in him. He chose us in him. Before the creation of the world. So may I say this morning to you, you are chosen people of God. Amen. You are not a mistake. You are here at this very moment and at this very time in the history of the world of 2022. Because the Lord has chosen you to do something great. Do you believe this today? I hope you do. I hope you do believe it. We just finished two years of death where hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives because of COVID. Yet you and me are still alive because we are the chosen people of God and he is still not done with us. The one who started the good work will completely until Jesus Christ come. But we have to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we do not discover what God has in store for us because we don't want to let our guards down. Listen, when we come in front of a great God like we have, we need to come with our guards down. And and this is difficult for us human beings. I know this subject that we're talking about is not an easy one. But just listen, what happened to Moses is the Bible tells us that what called the attention of Moses was not that the bush was burning. It was normal in his time because it was so hot that it was so frequent. What called the attention of Moses is the fact that this burning bush was not consuming. So he was curious and he got close. And as he got in front of the presence of the Lord, he heard the voice of God say, Take out your sandals because you have entered a holy place. Now, in our Western culture, you'll say when you come to the church, if you bring a hat, or if we say in Mexico, in Spanish, tu sombrero. If you bring your sombrero, your hat, when you come into the church, you take your hat out, out of respect, because you are in the presence of the Lord. But in ancient times, it meant just more than respect. To take your sandals out... Men, that once you have your feet bare, that you have nothing. If the enemy comes towards you, you have no way to run. And if you run, you'll not get far because you do not have the adequate shoes. Taking your shoes out of your feet meant total surrender to the presence of the Lord. Moses needed to have his guard down in order to encounter the presence of the Lord. So you see... May I say this to you? The most difficult person to lead is yourself. What I mean when I see, say this is that it is so easy for us to focus our lives in anything else. Whatever it is, we can focus in our professional life, our studies, our school, our health, our children, in order to avoid dealing with what, what really matters most, which is our hurts, our fears. Our flaws and the things that stops us from becoming what God wants us to be. We focus on the external, ignoring the internal. You may remember in Luke chapter 10, a beautiful story of Mary and Martha. Have you read this story? I'm sure you've read it many times before. It's a beautiful story. Jesus has come ...into the house of Mary and Martha unannounced. He did not tell them he was coming. And if you will remember, he wasn't alone... Jesus never walked alone. He walked with his 12 disciples. So when, he, when the Bible tells us that he came into the house of Mary and Martha, guess who came with him? 12 disciples. And immediately when he came into the house, the Bible tells us that Mary sat down at the feet of Jesus. But Martha started worrying about many things. Now... I don't, know, uh, I don't know, I'm sure that you probably have someone visit you. But sometimes, some people, when they visit you, they are more an inconvenience than, than of hell. I know you probably love a family member. When, when they come to visit you at the wrong time, you just don't want to see them. Maybe you're not ready. We plan family gatherings so that we can have it all under control. But not when somebody just shows up and we're not even ready to receive them. So this is what happened with Mary and Martha. And the Bible says that Mary sat down at the feet of Jesus, but Martha started worrying. I don't know. I don't know what she did. She probably said, what am I going to feed them? These people, men eat more than women. I don't know if that's true. But he said, we have to feed them something. Uh, We have to clean the house. I don't know what she was doing. But then Mary... Is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, in the New Testament, sitting was a sign that was a sign that a large time of conversation or teaching was about to happen. Different than today, like right now, the pastor stands up and the people listen. In in New Testament times, it was it was backwards. Sitting meant that we are about to spend three hours of good conversation. With no rush at all. I guess that's why people stand up. They want pastors to be tired, right? 30 minutes, let's go home. But what's even more impressive, do you know that, is that there were not women disciples in Jesus' time. Mary sat down at a place where, if I may quote, she didn't belong. And even more impressive she was she was a woman We could argue that not only she was not a disciple but also she was a woman and she was not permitted to sit down at the table with the other disciples but Jesus Christ didn't rebuke her he received her in fact he was teaching her and giving her the best part. Martha, in the other way, she is distracted and busy to the point that she's had enough. And she comes to Jesus. And in verse 40 of Luke chapter 10, you will read that she said, Lord, pay attention to this. Don't you care that my sister is not helping me? She said, Tell her to help me. Did you notice the blaming? Did you notice that she didn't go with her sister? She went with the Lord, and He said, What are you doing? Why wouldn't you have my sister help me? It's her role, after all. She's not your disciple. And I just can't picture Jesus when, when she comes. And I just, I just want to picture the Lord smiling at her. Notice that she didn't rebuke her. Did you notice? She doesn't rebuke her. She just probably smiles at her and they say, and he said, Martha, Martha. You're so worried with many things. I may add, if I wanted to eat, I would make my own Food, I would just make a miracle, then boom, there you go. There's food for everyone. Martha, you're so distracted. But a few things are needed. And then he adds, I like how Luke Ponzi. He said, indeed, there is only one thing that's needed. And he said, and Mary has chosen what's better and will not be taken away from her. Both Mary and Martha loved the Lord, but one was so focused on the external, but the other one focused on the internal, letting your guard down, receiving what the Lord has to tell you. Moses was probably used to his new life, being a shepherd, attending to the flock that wasn't even his. They belonged to his father-in-law. He was probably in his comfort zone. Think about it, 80 years old, thinking in retirement, Just, just, just—I'm just, I'm just going to get by. We need to be careful when we are in a comfort zone. We may be avoiding the internal, only focusing on the external. General George uh, Patton said, in peace, I'm useless. <laughs> this is so true. It is generally, generally in tumultuous times, in difficult times, that people make the greatest difference in the world. The greater is the crisis, the greater is the opportunity to grow and make a difference. In the kingdom of God, it is not about how able you are, but it is about how available you are, how willing you are to obey God's calling. Paul reminds us in Galatians 1.15. Look, look how, how he writes. this on the screen. And he said, but when God, he said, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, he said, he was pleased in calling me. In other words, in the words of William Barclay, each one of us, for each one of us, God has a plan No one's life is purposeless. God sends us into the world to do some definite thing. As Max Dupree observes and he says, we are sentenced to live with who we become. We are sentenced to live with who we become. One of the things that we have to deal with is with our excuses for sure. I found an article, uh, and and, and then uh, there is a second point that I want to give it to you. It says, people who make excuses rarely make much of a difference. People who make excuses rarely make much of a difference. I found an article on the anecdotes of Benjamin Franklin. He wrote, a young American having broken an appointment with Dr. Franklin came to him the following day and made a very handsome apology as to why he was absent the day before. He was proceeding when the doctor stopped him and said to him, My good boy, say no more. You've said too much already. For the man who is good at making an excuse is seldom good at anything else. Ouch. Now, we all make excuses all the time. And while sometimes they are justified most of the time, excuses hinders us from our most precious dreams and goals. They mostly are expressions of fear and insecurities. This is what happened to Moses. When God called him and said, go for I am the, the one who I am. I am the Lord your God. I am with you. Moses immediately saw his excuses, the reasons why he couldn't go. And he said, who am I to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to deliver the people of Israel? Now, for this answer, you may think that he was being humble. But most scholars said that, even though this is harsh to say, he was in reality being selfish. Look at what Acts chapter 7, verse 22 says about Moses. And remember his excuses. Look what Acts 7, says. It says, and Moses was instructed in all wisdom of the Egyptians. Can you read it with me? And he was what? He was what? In his words and deeds. Huh. Lord, I am slow of speech. No, Israel was better educated than Moses. He attended the best schools of his times. He understood Egyptian culture and Jewish culture, and he probably had dual citizenship. And the Bible says that he was very well-worded. He was mighty in words and actions, yet he excused himself before God again and again. I am not the right person for the task. What is an excuse? An excuse is just a justification offered in order to receive forgiveness or lessen responsibility. That's what an excuse is. David Stanley, a famous pastor that you probably heard, says that an excuse is a lie. That we tell ourselves about ourselves and over time we believe it. He explains that there is a fine line between an excuse and a reason, and a reason becomes or because. So he says, we don't think in terms of excuses. We think of terms of reasons, and a reasons becomes or because. When people ask, well, why didn't you apply for that job? Uh, Well, because. We don't say, my excuse is I was afraid that I wasn't going to get it. We say, well, because. Well, why did you quit? Because. Why didn't you do that? Because. Why, why wouldn't you do that? Because, because, because. We, we respond in terms of reasons. We find reasons not to face the reality. And over time, if we don't work in the internal, we believe those reasons. And they become our because. Like this person that sent a message saying sorry that she was late to work because traffic was lazy. I got a picture. Look at that. I'm sorry I'm late. The traffic was crazy. Look at the traffic. What would the boss say? Okay, dry carefully. Where do our excuses come from? Well, our excuses come sometimes from our fears that we have about ourselves. Maybe we were, we were told by people that we would never amount to anything. Or that we've been beaten down, that it is hard for us to move forward. Maybe our fears, we are afraid. Sometimes they come from our failures. Maybe you've, there are some things that we have tried And we had failed, and we tried again, and we failed, so we start avoiding. Sometimes our excuses are simply because we're lazy, and we do not want to put up the work. Sometimes our excuses come from our doubt that we have from God. Some of us have never walked with God long enough, or walked with God through places where we have seen miracles happen, and it takes faith to trust him that is why the bible says in hebrews 11 verse 6 without faith it is what impossible to please god but in any case in any case an excuse is a self-handicapping behavior that hurts us people who make excuses rarely make much of a difference how do we move forward Like Moses, how do we move forward? There's a beautiful parable in the Bible that will help us understand. Because, of course, I can tell you, well, stop blaming. Uh, Take responsibility. Do that. But I am not a psychologist. I'll let them do the job. As a pastor, I want to look at how the Bible can help us and guide us to move forward forward past looking at ourselves and unto what God has for us. And there is a beautiful parable in the Bible that will help us understand this. The parable is found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 and 30. But we will focus only on three verses. And you may remember, uh, I will call it the parable of the talents or some other versions, the gold bags. The parable is about stewardship and the privilege that we have to participate in God's kingdom and what he is doing through us. And so the first one, he says, the the parable says that the ruler or the master left and left, left his company or his resources to people for them to manage. To one, he says, it was given five talents. To another one, it was given two talents. And to another one, only one talent. I love the, the answer of the first two one in verse 19 and verse 22. And this is what I want to leave in your heart this morning. Look at verse 19. It says, uh, after a long time... The master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Verse 22, we read it again. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me. With two bags of gold, see I have gained two more. But the man who had received one talent came and said, Look at it. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came, Master he said, I knew that you are what? Did you read it? Master, I knew. The type of God that you are. I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown. And gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And went out and hid your gold in the ground. See? Here it is what belongs to you. There's two different views of God in this parable. Number one, how you see God will determine your response and the direction of your life. Did you notice? The first one, the first two, had their focus on Jesus, not in themselves. They were available for the kingdom of God, and their result was growth. Both of them doubled what they had been given And when they came to give account in front of the master, look at their words. Master, you entrusted me. You trusted me. Not for who I am. Not for what I have. But because it was pleased to you to choose me. You entrusted me with this. Look, the result of living in your kingdom is this i have double your gains but the third one excuse himself because as we stop lying to ourselves with excuses we open ourselves to god's work in our life this third one was afraid and focused on his fears look at what he said master I knew, I knew who you are. You are a hard man. I couldn't trust you. So I went and I hid. What's my excuse? Well, that one, I would never please you. So I excused myself and I hid your talent. This is true for many people today. It is so sad to see uh, many people that, that, that portray God as one that is on to get you. They see him as a harsh person. After this, think about it. Moses comes to, uh, sorry, God comes to Moses. And the task given to Moses is to go in front of the most Powerful person at the time, and challenge him on the very thing that had made the nation of Egypt the richest they want, they, they had, it was because of the Israel slaves. It's like you going into the White House in front of the, in front of the most powerful person and talk about one of so many, many sensitive subjects. There are in our society today. How do you see God? Is He the one who trusts you with many blessings and many things? Or is He a harsh God that is looking only to get you? In conclusion, throughout scripture we see God using imperfect people for the sake of his mission. I love this. Ordinary people who did extraordinary things like Moses, who at first made a long list of excuses, but whom at the end he was available to God and faithfully obeyed to the calling, like the author of Hebrews says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, not on what you have, don't focus on what you have done in the past. Don't be distracted or too busy ignoring the internal. Put your guard down and discover what God has for you in your life. Here's this here this list of people in the Bible, okay? Abraham was old. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses, he said he had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab, in the genealogy of Jesus or the lineage of Jesus, she was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times. Noah... The only righteous man after the great flood got drunk and slept naked. Jeremiah was too young to be a prophet. Jacob, he was an experienced cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah, the prophet of God, ran from him. Naomi was a widow. Peter, Denied Christ three times. Martha, she was worried about everything. Zacchaeus was small but money hungry. The disciples, they all fell asleep while praying. And Paul, the writer of 14 letters in the New Testament, was a jealous Pharisee. Who persecuted Christians and killed many before becoming one. They all made a difference in this world because they were available to the Lord. What is your excuse? Nothing is impossible for God if you choose to focus on Him and what He can do in your life. Let us pray. We thank you Lord for your word. We thank you for bringing an encouragement to our lives. And Lord, I pray that that your word will find soft hearts this morning, that your your word will bring fruit. As we focus on you, And we realize that it is not about me. It's about what you have for us. We don't have any idea or imagine what you can do when somebody is available. But we thank you that throughout the scripture, you use messed up people. People with many mistakes. Yet, you find them worthy of the calling. Do that with us, Lord Jesus. May we respond to you in faith and obedience. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.